Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. One year ago, fear stalked the world. The fear, though, created a common bond. We celebrated those on the front lines who walked into danger, and we worried about our neighbors and felt kinship with those suffering halfway around the world. A year later, we celebrate a return to normal, and yet our divisions have intensified. Normal is now represented by mass shootings every week, and even wearing a mask in the name of health, safety, and science divides us. 20 years ago, 9-11 united us for a brief and shining moment. A year ago, it seemed like the pandemic, like war and depressions before, would positively imprint and unite us once again. And yet, in some ways, it doesn't seem like we've learned much. However, there are those that do see hope, who see the light at the end of the proverbial tunnel as more than an oncoming train. My guest, Tim Shriver, who knows a lot about hope and perseverance as the longtime chair of the Special Olympics, has co-edited a new volume entitled The Call to Unite, bringing together many voices and ideas about hope and about the future. It is my pleasure to welcome Tim Shriver here to the program to talk about The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, and thanks for that beautiful introduction. Well, it's great to have you here. Talk a little bit about what your thoughts were. Go back a year at the beginning of all of this and and what you thought might happen that would bring the kind of uniting and hope that you talk about and that so many of these contributors to the book talk about. Well, I think, look, I think uh, we're we're dealing with a period of time that's uh, unprecedented, the pain, uh, the suffering. Uh, the uncertainty, the divisiveness, it's, it's, it, it will, historians will write about it for a long time. In this book, The Call to Unite, Pastor Rick Warren uh, refers to it as, as a tsunami of grief. Uh, it, and when we are in those kinds of moments, when, when the long-standing division, the long-standing discrimination are met with this kind of extraordinary pandemic of disease, I think, you know, it forces us in some ways to our knees. You know, Lincoln said, I was on my knees because I had nowhere else to go. And I think collectively, whether we're people of faith or not, we, we found ourselves, we find ourselves even now, um, in some ways, uh, looking for, for, for light at the end of this terrible tunnel. Uh, this is a book of people who are saying, in some ways, the story we tell each other of who we are matters. And they're putting their chips, they're siding with being a uniter, being a person of hope, being a person of solidarity, being a person. Jose Andres in the book says it's time for an empathy explosion. Um, so, you know, we can ask our, each of us can ask ourselves the question, where do we stand in this moment? Do we stand with the dividers uh, who would teach us that the only way forward is to destroy the other side? Or do we stand with the uniters who maybe against all evidence to the contrary still say that there's good in everyone, that respecting people's dignity is the path to change, and that by respecting and unleashing people's dignity, we can overcome the pandemic of discrimination and disease uh, and despair that has so, uh, I think, uh, so wounded all of us. Uh, So this is a book of hope. It is a book of hope. But it's not a book of uh, fantasy. It's a book of people facing real pain, real struggle, uh, as many of us are doing right now, uh, but offering strength and support in the midst of it. I guess what's frustrating for so many people, even those that, that are, are 
encouraged by hope that the dividers keep winning, that the dividers seem to at least have the louder voice? You know, it's a, uh, it, we're, we're uh, I don't know if they're winning, but they definitely have the louder voice. Um, I don't, you know, I look at our schools where our schools are introducing social and emotional learning in this book. Esther Wojcicki teaches as as it's time to teach compassion. Uh, So, uh, you know, she's a part of a large group of educators, uh, millions, really, parents uh, who are saying we need to change the way we teach, how we teach, how we judge children. We need to have more empathy, uh, more uh, developmental thinking, more an, an openness to the gifts of every child in our thinking. So this is a big change going on in schools, but it's not loud. It's not, it's not the same as what would happen if, God forbid, there were violence in schools. Then we'd hear about it. So, you know, uh, one of the contributors to the book, uh, to the show, Desmond Tutu, said years ago, you know, people think that evil is more powerful than good. Uh, it's not, he said. But sometimes evil can look better organized than good. Now, uh, that's where I, I agree with uh, Bishop Tutu. I agree that sometimes the, the negative voices are the loudest. Uh, and they're sometimes even better organized. But hey, you know what that means? That means if, if we want to have voices of hope and awakening, let's organize. And uh, this is the organize this is the organizer's manual, the call to unite book, which they you can get at Amazon or you can get at unite.us, our our website for uniters. This is the handbook uh, for the organizers of the revolution of the heart that comes from the from the more hopeful side of us. And you know. It, it, we're not going to end evil. I'm, I'm not here to say we're going to end disagreements even. We don't. We shouldn't. We're not going to end differences of opinion, and we shouldn't. And I don't want people to abandon their principles. I would never want people to do that. But I do want to add one identity to everybody's uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, carrying case here. You know, uh, you can be a Republican or a Democrat. You can be uh, gay or straight, you can be rich or poor, all those identities, black, white, in the middle, indigenous, all different colors, shapes and sizes, but add one more identity. Be all those things and a uniter. Uh, that, I think, can give us the chance to organize around those things which bring us together, and therefore, I think those things that can help us solve big problems and feel a lot more joyful. You were talking about teaching before. Talk about what you, many of these contributors talk about with respect to generational change and looking at young people today as perhaps the ultimate salvation to what we're talking about. Well, yeah, there are. And there's, there's voices of young people here. There are voices of average, if I can put it that way, average people. Uh, you know, that Courtney Meadows is a, is a grocery store clerk in West Virginia whose contribution is in the book right there with Oprah. Uh, and with uh, Presidents Bush and Clinton. What does she say? She says that she sees the people, the children coming down her line, and she says, and I quote, I choose to be positive for someone every day. So she's just saying what a a lot of young people are are trying to get at, which is they want to choose to include. I mean, I see this in my life with Special Olympics. They want to choose to be positive. And that unleashes the possibility of change because sometimes, look, We've all been wrong about things. Let's be honest. Many of us over the course of our lifetimes have been wrong about disability. We've been wrong about race. We've been wrong about the role of women. Many of us. Um, 
But the, the power to change, the capacity to change depends on seeing some new reality because someone has the compassion to teach it to us and in being invited into it, not being shamed. I mean, you, we just, we just don't, it's just not a good way to change us. So our young people, I think, are, are really hopeful. You see this, in, I see this in schools all over the country, and it's in the book, The Call to Unite. A young people who want to learn uh, compassion, self-compassion, uh, Esther says in the book, teach self-compassion, not just compassion for others, but self-compassion. Imagine if all of our schools did that. I think that will happen. I think in the next five to 10 years, our schools will become places that put social and emotional learning at the center of the curriculum, at the center of the shift that we need in the whole structure of schools. Uh, I think that can make a huge difference to overturn long-standing racism. It can make a huge difference to overturn long-standing loneliness, bullying, these kinds of things. These are urgencies that our kids are hungry for and ready for. I mean, this is, this is, this is the hope, I think, of this time. Let's not just assume that the story we see on cable news is the only story being told. It's not. There's another story. It's up to us to tell it. Talk a little bit about your work, digresses a tiny bit from the book, but your work in this whole area of social-emotional learning and the way it has been embraced. It was difficult at first, but there does seem to be a critical mass that's achieved in that area. Well, you know, it's true. I think, I don't, we don't have the numbers, but I'd say 10 years ago, maybe 5% of educators would have said they either know what social-emotional learning is or want it. Uh, today, that number is over 90%. Wow. Uh, teachers are seeing that we have a scientific evidence that says that when we teach these skills and when teachers learn them, kids learn more effectively in their academic subjects. They're seeing that when they implement a comprehensive approach, uh, you know, restorative practices and more support from and with parents and a developmental approach, you know, the whole school climate changes. Uh, people become more positive, more creative, uh, more ambitious, more disciplined. You know, so this is this is this is this is big news. I mean, it's not on the headline, but it's a big story. It's all around us. It's a big shift. It's a paradigm shift. You know, that's a paradigm a fancy word, but it just means it, it has it has implications for everything. If we actually recognize that the social development of children, the emotional development of children, the academic, they all come together. Right. They all come together. And if we teach, we create schools that support children rather than label them, judge them, categorize them, and half the time throw them out, which is what schools, I'm sorry to say, schools, you know, this is my profession. Uh, I don't think schools have been bad, but they've missed the boat on some of these things. And now the educators are coming around to it. So, you know, this, this book, it's, it's not really off the subject of the book at all, because the book is really just challenging adults. You know, I was in a focus group, just a quick side story, with the middle school and high school kids in, in Iowa before we did the call to unite, asking kids about bullying and about division. And one of the young women said to me, look, we got rid of bullying in our school, Mr. Shriver, but, you know, adults are bullies. And I thought to myself, wow, she's on to something. You know, it's, this is not social and emotional learning is not just about changing kids helping kids, growing kids. It's just as much, if not more, about changing adults. And so this is a handbook for the adults who want a little social and emotional learning in our lives. 
sit it right by your bedside table. You only have to read a page <laughs> a night and flip, open on any page and you'll find someone teaching you how to feel stronger within yourself, how to heal a relationship, how to become engaged in, uh, in social change and social action from all political perspectives, right? Not This is a uniter's handbook. This is not a Republican handbook <laughs> or a Democratic handbook. It's an American handbook. Um, so, uh, so we've got work to do, but I, I, I'm bullish on, uh, humanity, <laughs> if I can put it that way. And, uh, I just think we need to give ourselves a little bit of a break for goodness sakes. And, um, and remind us that, that there is a, um, there's a better, there's a better us out there, but we've got to choose it. We can't, uh, it won't come by itself. We've got to commit to it. How important do you think, and do some of the contributors to to uh, call to unite think leadership is in all of this? How much of it has to be top down versus grassroots up? Well, it's a really good question, uh, and here's how I'd answer it. Today, the only way I can make a difference in this work is with myself, my wife, my children, <clears throat> my community, my conversation with you. Uh, that's, that's what's within my power right now. And, you know, I've, I've lived uh, by the words of Mother Teresa that most of us are not called to do great things, but we are called to do small things with great love. Now, every one of us can choose to do a small thing with great love today. No restrictions. You can be eight years old or 88 years old. You can be uh, uh, very wealthy or, uh, living out of, uh, out of want, but you can choose to do whatever you is in your, uh, in your power with great love. And so I think we do need stronger leadership. I honestly believe that some of this is coming from the top. Uh, some of the hatred and outrage is coming from the top and we need to stop that. But you know, the one, one thing we can all do is just turn it off. And when people uh, express outrageous hatred uh, and, uh, and contempt for other people, uh, don't vote for them, we, even if they're in your party. Uh, make, it, make, it, make it not advisable to be a person of contempt. Right now, we reward people in politics and in the media. You know, the most outrageous show on TV gets high ratings. That's on us, because we're the ones watching. Turn it off. <laughs> Change the channel. Uh, in some ways, that's what we can do from the bottom up to encourage better behavior from the top down. Talk a little bit about the call to unite that was the, the genesis of all of this. Yeah, you can find it. You know, the genesis is a 25 hours of videos, song and dance, the Alvin Ailey Dance Theater, American Dance Company, I should say, and uh, President Bush and all these different people from around the world, uh, the Dalai Lama, as I said, and the Patriarch of Constantinople and Bishop Jakes and Julia Roberts and Jay Shetty and Simon Sinek and my sister Maria Shriver and uh, Dr. Rita Walker and Charlemagne the God. They're all, they all came on, some for two minutes, some for six minutes, some for 10 minutes, some for 20 minutes. Oprah uh, interviewing Eckhart Tolle for uh, half an hour. I mean, it was amazing. It's all at Unite.us. And what it started, though, is even more amazing than a bunch of videos, although the videos are wonderful. I really recommend them. 
And what it started was an invitation for people to say, how do we work together now? Not how do we just talk about it? How do we do it? So even today, uh, one of our initiatives that came out of that, the COVID collaborative, which is getting people to work across all the boundaries is producing ads and communication vehicle that bring people together. You know, some people may have seen the ad with presidents uh, Bush and Obama and Clinton and Carter uh, well into his 90s getting his vaccine. Why? Because it's not, it, we don't have to be divided on this. We really don't. I mean, you can tune in and find somebody who is divisive about it, but you don't have to. You can look at all the NCA. We just released the ad campaign uh, it, 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 today uh, that uh, talks, uh, that invites uh, athletes uh, from all different walks of life and sports uh, to join in, 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 in encouraging people to get vaccinated. So the, the call to unite was an amazing moment. Uh, like I said, it's 25 hours. You don't have to watch it. You can watch two to three minutes. It's there. But the book, which is, came out of it, is, is your companion. You know, you don't have to sit in front of a screen to read. You just put it at your bedside table or you take it around with you to work or put it in your coffee table or wherever is comfortable. And uh, I promise you, you open it up any page, one page, uh, and that in those moments, and there's so many for so many of us where we're struggling or in pain. There's, 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 a, there's a friend in this book ready to help you. And, and talk a little bit about this particular moment coming out of the pandemic, as a lot of people are, and on one level wanting to return to normalcy and yet wanting that normalcy to be somehow collectively different. Exactly. Boy, you put it beautifully, didn't you? We want to be back to some kind of normalcy where we see each other where we can be with each other, where we can have fun, we can laugh, we can go to a sporting event, we can walk down the street, we can go to a coffee shop. Yeah, we want that. But we also don't want to be back where we were. We don't want to live in inequality anymore. We don't want to live in a, in a world where the haves and the have-nots are, uh, are so far apart. We don't want that kind of persistent loneliness that was already an epidemic before this started. People feeling so alone and lost and at their wits end. So we've got to come back with a different mindset. We've got to come back with a different heart. So, you know, in the book, you'll find Amy Grant, you know, the great star. She's some say country star, but she's a crossover. She's, she's, a, she's been popular in every uh, form of music, teaching you how to maintain your sense of strength and confidence and lovability. She doesn't use that word. That's a little lousy word. But she teaches her own meditation. It's beautiful. Uh, uh, you, you have so many different people. Uh, Je- uh, 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 Julia Roberts say, you know, if, if you're struggling, maybe you just want to go down to your local library or your local school and offer to read stories to children. Uh, almost all of us can do that. Uh, maybe it's Loretta Claiborne, Special Olympics athlete, inviting you to join uh, as a volunteer in the Special Olympics movement, there are ways we can come back differently uh, as uniters, not as dividers. And I, I, I hate to say it because it sounds overly simple, but I think if we just realize that the future depends not on if Republicans or Democrats win, but whether uniters or dividers win. If dividers win, the future, I, I dare say, is pretty grim. But if uniters win, geez, I think we can solve a lot of problems. And finally, talk about the Special Olympics and how it's come through the past year and what's ahead. 
Well, you know, the athletes of Special Olympics have endured more exclusion, more loneliness, more injustice than almost any community, at least as much as any community on earth. And yet, you know, I don't know how they do it, but our athletes just continue to be resilient, um, continue to take a chance. They're ready to come back. Uh, you know, our movement has struggled a lot. We've Many of our athletes have uh, have lost their lives to COVID. Uh, and uh, we, so we need to build the healthcare system back better for them. It's not really fair, honestly, right now. Education, you know, we want to create schools that feel inclusive. So we're trying to expand our work with social inclusion, what we call unified sports in schools. Imagine, same idea, right? It's people with and without intellectual disabilities playing on it with a special Olympics uniform together is that's not a call to unite. I don't know what is right. So uh, I'm very hopeful that special Olympics will continue to be a classroom of the heart for our country and for the world in every community where it happens. I hope we'll be back on the playing field this summer, if not the fall for sure. And I hope people, if they're looking, like you said earlier, you know, how do we build something different? Check out a local basketball game or a track meet or a swimming competition or a soccer game of your local Special Olympics program. Just stop by, maybe 20 minutes. I dare you. It'll, 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 uh, it'll uh, inspire you, I think, to see that we can, uh, we can be uniters all. And we should say that a call to unite the book is from your sister's new imprint. It is. It's what, what, what fun it is to be able at our age to work together. You know, I'm the next youngest of five. Maria's just above me. So she's obviously known me my whole life. She's been one of my no judgment zones. I like to think of a, a great friend as the person who offers you a no judgment zone, a, a zone of welcome. Dr. Rita Walker in, in the call to unite the book uh, talks about how to how to practice being a no judgment zone, canceling judgment. Uh, but Maria, geez, look, she's got millions of people around the world who love her, and I, I know why. And this is the first book of her new imprint called The Open Field. Um, I hope it's uh, the first of many great books. I know with her at the helm, she'll find many, many other stories, um, stories that elevate us, that give us a different view uh, above the noise, as she likes to say. Um, uh, out beyond in the open field, out beyond wrongdoing and right doing to the open field. Uh, that's where she invites people to come and meet. And that's where I hope this book helps guide us. Tim Shriver, the book is The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. Tim, I thank you so much for spending time with us. It's been my pleasure. And I hope your listeners uh, find in this book for themselves and for their friends uh, uh, a handbook for uh, a better future for all of us. Tim Shriver, thanks so much. Thank you.